Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of SBC Leaders. I'm Kelly King, Global Relationship Director for SBC. And today it is my honor and pleasure to welcome one of our own, Sue Schneider, who is the VP of Growth and Strategy for SBC Americas. Welcome, Sue. Yeah, it's great to be here. So today is a very special episode. We are celebrating International Women's Day. It is a topic that I know is close to my heart as well as yours. So I'm excited to talk about your take on generally what's happening in the world, um, this particular event and uh, women in our industry. So to kick things off, I want to um, first ask you a little bit about you and your career. Um, I know that you've had quite a lengthy and storied career in our space, but I thought it would be good to tell a little bit about your story and where you've come from. I actually have a past life um, in social services, which is why when we talk about things like problem gambling and all that, that, that's all near and dear to my heart. Basically, I got involved in the gaming and why well, actually when I was a um, running a social service agency, we ran bingo, oddly enough. So uh, I, I do actually have a pass as an operator, which is a little <laughs> shocking. I hated it. Um, so it, it was uh, it was quite an experience. But in this industry, I got involved in 99. I was editing uh, just prior to that a print riverboat gaming publication called Rolling Good Times. Um, and then we kind of morphed that into putting that online in 95. And looking back, that was really probably one of the first affiliate marketing sites out there. Uh, it was consumer-based. But we started covering industry news. And in 99, I started River City Group. We started GigZ, EIG, uh, World Poker Congress, a number of events. So we had about seven of those that we sold to Clarion in 2006 and uh, got involved in a couple of other events uh, after that in Malta and in uh, Las Vegas. We finally could come into the U.S. and um, sold those. And so uh, got involved with uh, Rasmus and Andy uh, when the Supreme Court decision came down. I was like, I wasn't really interested in starting something new, but I didn't want to miss a chance to get involved with, with this and, and kind of help with that. Uh, and it's it's been great. I mean, other than the, the, the COVID uh, part of it, um, but, you know, it, it's really been a lot of fun to uh, to see this happen because I really, I never thought it would happen here. Yeah. And now you're overseeing growth and strategy in the Americas, LATAM, Canada, U.S., Right. Specifically with uh, our events uh, that we are hosting there. Yeah. There, there is another piece of your career that you didn't mention, but hopefully I can bring it up. And that is when iGaming or the Internet came about and gambling was happening on the Internet. You were also a voice for Congress. Yes. Um, and that was a pretty interesting experience. In, in 1996, we started a, an advocacy group called Interactive Gaming Council. And I chaired that for the first eight years. Really, nobody else wanted to step up because because they were all offshore and it was all questionable. But, uh, you know, because we were in the events industry, I, I stepped in. And I'm also, I'm a policy wonk at heart, and I really do enjoy that stuff. So it was an opportunity to get in and, and try to make some headway. At the time, we were basically trying to stop the, the Kyle bill, as it was called at the time, from, from moving forward, which would have banned um, that. So... Uh, it was a really interesting experience. It was like herding cats. We, it was early on. There were no, you know, there was no regulation really anywhere at that time. And, uh, we had about 120 members. I think that was myself and two other women in the room at our meetings. Uh, 
One was Ruth Parasol with Party Poker. And, um, it, you know, it was a great experience, but it, it, it had its challenges. We were trying to come up with a code of conduct, things like that, to, to, to use that as a start to say these are the kind of standards. Uh, and it was a kind of an odd experience because it was like regulate us, tax us. And you don't get many industries that really have that sort of take on it. Yeah. That's right. And I, and I remember that story uh, because I think this is a nice lead in as we're going to talk about International Women's Day. I remember you telling that story because of the message of take an opportunity. And you said that you were one of the only uh, women in the room, but it was an opportunity that none of us had experience. Well, no one in the space at the time had experience with. Right. And you took it. And you kind of became one of the voices, the very early voices for what was happening in our industry. Yeah, it was. I, I was able to testify in Congress. I testified during the, the there was a, a federal study that went on. I had, took the opportunity to do that uh, in various state houses once things started happening on a state level. So it, it really um, and and why, you know, when I talk with young women in particular, I always let them know, get involved in your your industry uh you know, associations and that sort of thing, because it it really helped my business, too. I mean, we became known as the experts in the central clearinghouse. So if, you know, if CBS Market Watch or the Wall Street Journal or whatever wanted information on the industry, they would come to us. So it, it really had a, a dual effect of really actually helping us in that regard, too. So those are the kind of intangibles that you don't think about. The theme for International Women's Day this year is Break the Bias. Um, which is highlighting the fact that gender bias still happens in our daily lives. It happens in our workplace. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about that? Have you experienced gender bias in your career or are you, are you watching it happen today? Uh, yes. I, you know, I think it's still ongoing. It's, it's um, you know, if you look at it, there have to be thousands of of companies in the iGaming and the sports betting and, and even the land-based space and I think you and I have been trying to identify female CEOs were maybe up to 30 out of thousands. So, I mean, we are seeing more women in C-level positions. So hopefully that pipeline will begin to, uh, you know, to move forward. But um, it's it's still there, particularly on the management level. Yeah. But as you say, I think it is changing as we start to draw awareness to it. How how do you think we as an industry, uh, particularly maybe in events, uh, what events, uh, what role events might have to draw awareness to gender bias and and start to say, you know, the, you know, we can be better? Well, it's an ongoing challenge. Um, you know, my mission in helping with the, to shape the programs for SBC is always to get more diversity, you know, whether it's minorities or whether it's women or both. Um, and it, it's just, it's a challenge. So, uh, I know there are critics out there that are very vocal about having mantles and all that, but believe me, we, we try very, very hard, um, <laughs> we try very hard. So and sometimes we don't make it. Um, but you know, it's, it's just so dominant, uh, so male dominated industry that it's, it's hard. It's getting better. I, I really like, uh, for example, like there's a, there, as you well know, there are several women in gaming groups. There's one in Australia and one of the things they're doing is training. Uh, in speaking so that people feel comfortable to to yeah. come into that to that position. Uh, but, we, you know, it's much easier than it was 10 years ago uh, in terms yeah. of getting 
getting women in, in that. And, um, you know, and, and there are groups uh, as we work with like global gaming women and groups like that, that are doing events at this where there's kind of support, um, you know, some time to set aside to really talk about, uh, you know, the kind of issues that uh, they continue to see. It was really interesting during the, the pandemic because people were juggling trying to teach their kids, you know, as well as their job and, and uh, everything else. So um, I think the last two years has made it even tougher in a lot of ways to, to be able to get all that, that balance in. Yeah, I agree. Do you think the the pandemic has also changed the need to build an external profile, the need for more women to come out and, and talk about their expertise and things, not necessarily to promote themselves, but promote their expertise, because we are now learning a lot of what we're learning is digital um, and what we're learning about the industry, especially in America. I think there's so much change and it happens every day. Well, and there's so many innovations. I mean, a lot of the, the newer female uh, management that I'm seeing are in tech, they, they're coming out of the tech industry and they're coming in and, and doing some really innovative uh, services and companies. And that's the part that I think is kind of fun. Or they're coming in from finance or they're coming in, you know, if you look at the kind of the, the pedigree of, of a lot of the women that are coming into C-level positions uh, right now, they're coming out of other industries and into ours. So I, that's a whole new infusion of expertise and, and, uh, energy, I think. What would you say to someone, uh, particularly someone who might be younger or joining the industry, who might feel that their career is um, slowed or hindered by gender bias? You know, I think right now is actually a time where they can really take advantage of that. I'm seeing more companies looking for, you know, women as in, in, you know, higher level positions on their boards you know, I, I think at this point there is enough of a tipping point that's kind of coming around where, you know, if you look at the board of on a uh, on a company website and it doesn't have any diversity at all, um, they get called on. And so, you know, I think it's actually a really good time to take advantage of of those opportunities and put themselves forward because people, I think many of the companies are trying to to fix that. And as you and I know, we were on a call the other day, um, there are a couple states who are making diversity a priority in terms of licensing and a priority uh, when it comes to setting up the business. Maryland in particular um, has said women and minority-owned businesses get priority. Those sort of set-asides aren't really happening much yet in our industry. I mean, I, I've tended to see that more in the past with like highway department construction projects and, you know, I mean, other kinds of maybe more infrastructure related. Haven't seen it that much in our industry, but uh, I would imagine we may see more of that. So that'll be a good opportunity, I think, uh, again, for people to come in, maybe even from the hospitality industry or, or other areas where they've been working and it would be a natural for them to add sports betting, for example, uh, into the mix of, of what they're offering. So that, that part's kind of fun. Having um, been part of this industry since the very beginning, when we talk about online gaming and sports betting, how far do you think we've come since then in terms of gender and gender representation within our space? Well, uh, you know, I'd say at the beginning it was there were there were so few women involved. There really, really were. I mean, and as it's gotten more corporate, maybe a little less fun, a little less entrepreneurial, um, but um, you know, I, I think there's more 
as I said, more pressure. So, and there are certain jurisdictions where I've run events specifically aimed at trying to, to pull women together. For example, in Malta, there are a lot of, of women. Uh, and again, they may not be in the managerial position so much yet, but they're working their way up. And, and uh, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's good to see more of that. I think we've, we've come pretty far, but we still have a long way to go in terms of the, the boardroom and the, the executive committees. Agreed. I think at the moment, we're about 9% representative of C-level, not just CEOs, but um, 9 or 10%, I think, which, yeah, still a long way to well, go. Well, I am glad to see uh, all in doing that uh, tracking because otherwise we don't have yeah. any way. You know, you got a baseline, what, three years ago you started? With- mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. So, you know, at least at least we have a way to, to actually measure that, which will be good. We do. Um, it's called the All Index. I'll do a little self-promotion right there. It's called the All Index. And we do measure demographics, but we also measure practice and policy uh, that support that. So that, And it is available to anyone who wants to have a look at it. But um, as at the, the purpose of that really is, I think a lot of people misunderstand. The purpose of that is because if we don't know what's happening, we can never see where the blind spots are, right? We can never see... Our campaign that we're running this year for International Women's Day is, again, highlighting what's actually happening, highlighting the stories of gender bias, bringing them to the forefront and making sure that people know that it's that didn't happen 10 years ago. That's happening today, you know, where where people are experiencing stops in their career or being slowed down because because of bias in the space. So um, important to bring that to light and and work towards fixing it. If we were to be successful in all of that, measuring and, and working towards more equal representation, what's this good look like? What kind of space are we working in, in your opinion? That's a really good question. I, you know, I, I don't know that there's a good sort of end goal to go far. I mean, all we can do is just keep trying to work the numbers up. I get young women that come up to me and tell me stories about how they've been reacted to in their own companies, for example. And they really struggle with how to respond when they get remarks that they are not comfortable with. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think we're better off, sure, we have the goal of trying to, to get more women into management, but I think all of the women in particular in the industry need to have their ears open and be able to um, provide some support and feedback to the younger women that are coming in because they're still getting a lot of that. You know, it's something that just needs to be fixed. And I would hope the men would call their fellow guys on it too, because, and I see that more. I do see that more. So, you know, I think that's where there's more progress too on a day-to-day, you know, everyday level. Um, but I, you know, I think people just need to just, those, you know, after the the Me Too movement and, and all that, I think there's just greater awareness about how interactions, just personal interactions are perceived. And um, the tolerance for that is not what it was, uh, both from men and women. So I'm, I think if there was one piece of advice is, you know, don't feel, don't feel afraid to say something um, because that's how you change that culture. And that's that's the only way you're gonna to kind of lift all boats is is to change that culture and and make sure that that kind of stuff just goes away or is not uh, accepted anymore. For me, I think uh, we start to get a, a brand new customer base as well, right? If we bring in new perspectives, 
um, we start to include more people in terms of who our customers are, which is going to help, as you say, lift more boats. Like it's going to help all of us in the long run. Um, we have better products as well um, because we'll have, we'll be able to challenge one another a bit better. As you said, being able to call things out also means a culture where we're safe to, you know, share our ideas, right? As well as say, don't do that. Uh, and the, the whole portion of, um, you know, there are some people I think that take a more antiquated viewpoint. It's like, oh, you know, these are preferences for their, you know, preferential treatment or whatever. But I don't see that as the case. I think it's a matter of, and when it comes to hiring, it's a matter of opening up a whole half of the, uh, you know, the demographics. Um, you know, I've talked to women that are have been traders in Las Vegas for like 30 years, and they have some stories. Um, but, you know, why is it that there are so few in, in a lot of those kind of roles? So um, those are the kind of things that I think from an employer's standpoint makes sense to really explore and say, you know, maybe we need to open that up a little bit more so that, you know, there are a lot of very, very talented people out there. Um, so let's make that happen. Yep, exactly. Um, couldn't agree with you more. Do you think uh, we should limit International Women's Day to just one day, or should we have more? Should it be a month? Um, yeah. or a year? I don't really have. I don't really have an opinion <laughs> on that. I mean, I, I does. I think there is more awareness year round. So I don't. I you know, I think it's more about about changing the culture and people speaking up. Yeah, I, I generally think uh, that we should take it as a time to maybe reset our priorities and maybe look at, at how we can be better one day, but it should never be just the one day and then we say, see you next year, right? It should be about how do we sort of reflect upon uh, that in our workplace? Well, and, and hopefully a way to gauge what kind of progress there has been from the previous one. So exactly. Exactly. Um, well, we are coming to our end of our chat, Sue. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we go, I do want to say International Women's Day is one day, as we said, um, and celebrating and um, looking to support all of the women in our space and our workplace and the world. However, I would be remiss, and I, I think you agree with me here, is that um, there is also something else going on in the world right now uh, with conflict in Ukraine. And we are very much thinking about those people and, and you know, uh, thinking about their safety and they are top of mind as well. So uh, by celebrating International Women's Day, I don't want to take away from the focus that is that um, because it is really important at the moment. And SBC does support all of our friends and colleagues in the space. Yeah, it's, it is very important. We have a lot of folks in our industry that are that are there probably more than anybody expected, because as you see, like on LinkedIn, you see story after story. It's like, yes, we've got our, our developers there, or, you know, whatever. Uh, and obviously, SBC has an event there. So, you know, I think a lot of people are are much more conscious of, of you know, the, the participation that we have from staff out of Ukraine. So it just makes it that much more real. It's very important to support that. Definitely. Our thoughts are with all of them. Um always first and foremost. So thank you for joining Sue. Um, it was a real pleasure and I appreciate you giving your time to us today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. This has been another episode of SBC Leaders Podcast. I'm Kelly King, Global Relationship Director for SBC. Uh, and you can download, listen to SBC Leaders Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for listening. <laughs>